Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. Today, our topic is Zooming to the Office how the trend towards remote work and video conferencing is redefining the way companies and employees are thinking about office space. We are really excited to have our guest today, Linda Taylor, currently the founder of Executive Rhythm, a human resources consultancy who has spent over the past 20 years as head of HR for large advertising agencies uh, and previously was the uh, head of HR for a company uh, based in Michigan that had over 3,000 employees with offices around the world. Hello, Linda. Hi, Alex. Hi, Jamie. Thank you Welcome, so much Linda. for inviting me to be here today. Thank you for joining us. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Linda. I'm happy to. Uh, I have spent the majority of my career in human resources, um, in advertising agencies, age, big big brand agencies like Campbell Ewald, um, Leo Burnett, J. Walter Thompson, Team Detroit, Global Team Blue, uh, Blue Hive. So lots of industry specific experience, but um, in a very um, dynamic and um, complicated global environment. Uh, about uh, three and a half years ago, I started my own business, and uh, as you mentioned, Executive Rhythm. It's an HR consultancy firm. Um, I've been helping small startup agencies build their HR infrastructure, as well as um, doing some executive recruiting and individual one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching. And recently, I'm in the process of partnering with um, another a uh, former colleague of mine on developing a brainstorming uh, process that we hope to um, share with, with agencies and marketing firms to help them um, rethink, coincidentally, topics such as how we handle um, coming back to work or if we come back to work in the, in the new world. Well, that's a really good um, uh, segue. Uh, and thank you for that background. I mean, you know, Zooming to the office is has become a commonplace for most people nowadays who work. Um, but how did we get here? Like, how did we get to the place where we needed to go to the office? Uh, we're now zooming to the office is a big disruptor, but how did we get to a place where the norm was going to an office, commuting, uh, and being in a place with your employees and colleagues nine to five? Honestly, Alex, I think we were forced to get here. Um, you know, many uh, leaders, came from an old school sort of mentality that um, created a lack of trust, I guess, with employees, in my opinion, that they, um, they felt that people needed to be monitored and managed closely every day to ensure that they were productive. Um, and when, when the pandem pandemic, excuse me, hit, um, there was no choice, right? We had to figure it out. And I think that happens in a lot of situations in the world. It's when you're left without alternatives that you're forced to find a way to make it work. And I think that we've always been trying to find ways of making the home for employees that much better, right? And I think in the past 20 years, we've seen bean bags and ping pong tables and uh, scooters in the office really just designed to make people feel happier. It wasn't necessarily something that helped people work smarter or were, made people more efficient. It just was really around 
making people have more fun at the office, right? And I look at the, this, this concept of activity-based work. It was a concept that was invented uh, by an American architect in the early 80s who does, to invented this idea that people don't need to sit at cubicles. They can actually work in public spaces, in an office, and thus the invention of the open office concept was born. So if we've all been trying to, or companies have always been trying to create a, a better home and environment for, for, uh, for employees, why not just say, hey, just stay at home? And that's probably the best place you can be. Uh, don't come to the office and, and maybe you'll be happier. Um. Because I, I don't necessarily think that's true. There's there's a few points um, that I'd want to make to that statement. One one is from a corporate standpoint, uh, the the company is probably better off with people working from home because we've seen and there's there's a huge trend right now in in some of the HR circles that I live in um, in terms of people being burnt out and overworked. It turns out that the majority of of workers, professional workers, are losing their sense of boundary when it comes to work, not knowing when to stop, right? Not knowing when to take a, a moment for a social outlet. So from a corporate perspective, probably contrary to what they've believed for many, many years, um, they're better off, right? People are more productive. On the flip side of that, I think agencies, companies in general, are losing their sense of identity and culture by not having those um, those places where people can gather and build their relationships. That's interesting because when I was working on Wall Street, Wall Street was early in adapting the open floor plan. And one of the reasons for that was to uh, not only create camaraderie, but also a bit of competition. People to your left and your right were putting trades up, and it gave you the incentive, I better work harder, I better put some trades up. Um, communication was a lot easier on an open floor plan. And so it became uh, productive to have everybody in one big room as opposed to being in their offices where you couldn't really tell what they were doing. Well, I would argue... I'm not sure if they were more productive or the communication was better because communication is essential, right? So being in an open floor environment and you hear what someone is saying, you know, across the hall that you may not have discovered otherwise, there's a tremendous benefit to that. On the flip side, productivity, right? Cranking out the work when you're spending, you know, an hour at the pool table or the ping pong table or just hanging out in the cafeteria, you're definitely learning or losing some valuable work time. So, so oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say pros. There's certainly pros to the open environment, but also I'm, I'm sure you both remember when the open environment first became a thing most employees balked at that too. No, everyone wanted to maintain their privacy and they didn't want to be sitting right next to someone and they lost some of their personal space. I mean, none of these trends in employment as they evolve over the years are naturally accepted. It's, it's all change and change is always a difficult thing to accept. I had to go a whole day without picking my nose once we got rid of the offices. <laughs> well, you know, the, the good thing is that, um, to your point, change is, is upon us. When you think about 
the places you want to work, right? So, you know, I always see every year, uh, Fast Company, Forbes, all these magazines do a best place to work award. And it seems as if they interview a bunch of employees that talk about where they work and why they love it. And usually the things that come up, like in Google, they have buffets, they have uh, uh, personal days you can take off, you can explore your hobbies, they have sabbaticals. And all of these things are really around the experience of, I would say, the employee in and or around the office. So free food being first and foremost, but yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, so, you know, assuming that, that, you know, now we're in this transition again, what is the best place to work going to look like? And does that matter? Uh, particularly when you want to attract new employees, talent to your companies. I think it's going to be very difficult, honestly, Alex, um, that's part of the, uh, the thought process behind this new brainstorming session to get HR leaders to start thinking differently and out of the HR box. Because uh, you have to remember that HR people are trained to be consistent and thorough at, um, across the board with every discipline. And going forward, I don't think that's going to be possible uh, because you have multiple different um, personality types in, in life stages that you're dealing with, right? The entry-level employee is probably thrilled to be working from home, right? They're used to it from having online classes in school and they can work in their pajamas and it's super cool. But especially at that young stage in your career, there's something being lost significantly in the development process. You're not watching more experienced professionals, how they handle day-to-day -day situations, and um, you're not getting that one-on-one -on -one mentoring that's so crucial to that development process. Um, so there's that person, but then you've got the parent, right, who's trying to homeschool kids and to have to come into an office every day is impossible, yet they're completely distracted and much less productive because they're having to juggle so many things at the same time. Um, so, frankly, there's also what, you know, maybe isn't the greatest term, but the slacker, there's always the employee in the bunch that's hiding, right? They hid when they were in the office. So now that they're at home, how do you monitor that person's productivity? And they can, you know, mute themselves on the call and be working out to, you know, some exercise video while the, while the session's going on. So there's certain functions that um, are certain personality types that are going to have a really hard time adjusting um, to, to a work from home. So brainstorming and thinking differently about how HR approaches all of these different uh, situations, I think is essential. Um, and my gut is that as the pan pandemic passes and we feel safe going into a work environment, we'll find that there's a hybrid situation that occurs because you don't want to lose that sense of community completely, but you also are going to have to give people the flexibility they need now that they know it's possible, especially to work from home and, and have their, be trusted to do things the way they need. Well, trust is a big deal. That's a good point. And you brought up a great point at the beginning in terms of the new recruit. I just wonder, how do you train a new recruit? How do you recruit a new recruit? How do you have, um, how do you have multiple people vet 
a new uh, candidate. And then once you bring them on board, how do you create that camaraderie that's so important uh, for companies to create loyalty from their employees, the camaraderie where it's fun to be at the office, where you're seeing people you're friendly with, where you go out after work for a cocktail. All that goes out the window with zooming to the office. I wonder how, how that's going to affect growth, growing companies, small companies. Yeah, the new employee is a, is a huge issue to bring someone in and assimilate them into your culture when you don't have a culture to introduce them to. And let's face it, people are the majority of the culture, right? So if you aren't establishing those relationships, whether it's coffee or a cocktail or whatever it is, um, that people um, do socially to develop relationships, that's, that's going to be a big challenge. What office romances? What are we going to do with office romances? <laughs> well, you're, from an HR perspective, you shouldn't be doing that, right? Right, that, that ended. Uh, but where, where have you been? So, so I, have no, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so you talk a little bit about, um, you know, obviously culture is, is critical. And, you know, a lot of companies pride themselves on their corporate culture, whether or not you're, you're Google or you're Airbnb. Um, you, you, you've, you're proud of it. It's something that you've worked on and spent millions, tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars globally building it and establishing it in the marketplace. So to see that transform is going to, is, is pretty significant, but more importantly, you know, now that we know that our audience is really focused on a bit of the real estate part of the implications of the new offices in this transformation, when you mentioned hybrid, are we talking a hybrid of staying at home or going to the office, or is there something else like a third office, uh, an office where that may be smaller but closer to where you live? You know, there's this there's this concept that came up, and the mayor of Paris actually was talking about this notion of a 15 minute city, where in a city you're 15 minutes away from everything your work, your restaurants, your entertainment, and all of your activities, and so cities would shrink essentially now that people are leaving sort of densely populated urban areas the 50 minute city concept is somewhat challenged however what you do have is you potentially have um uh, the ability to go to an office that's just down the hall <laughs> or perhaps an amenity in your building that is like a we work that we can go to work and feel like you're going to the office but you're still not yet yeah you're still very close to home. So in your opinion, what do you think the hybrid looks like, at least in the near term and perhaps where we're going maybe in, in five or 10 years from now? Um, I think the, the hybrid in my mind is still a facility, not necessarily, you know, 15 minutes away, but a facility that is much smaller than what we've seen in the past, yet large enough to hold, you know, group meetings when they're necessary in person to allow people to interact. Um, I, I feel like it'll turn into rather than a, a nine to five, five days a week kind of thing. You know, people will be on somewhat of a schedule where they need to be physically in an office. Um, and I think that the space is going to change. I, I think it'll shift back from being this hugely open environment to probably going back to the you know early 90s when everybody had offices so they, they can feel safe and healthy in the environment and engage in a, in a public uh, community space only when necessary. Um, so yeah, I think well, they'll have they'll offer 
the, the right companies will offer flexibility that will allow you to work from home as needed, but also give you a place to go as needed. Jamie, it's funny because I know that you're a city guy. Uh, for me, when I was living in the city, what I really didn't like is I didn't like to have to walk to work, right? And so you walk into work, you can't get stuff done. I'm, I'm trying to read the paper, trying to look at my news and my phone and really distracted because I have to basically walk. Uh, but when I when I moved to the Midwest and I'm driving to work, I really enjoyed that. I had my cup of coffee. And I was listening to NPR News. I had I, I felt like I was productive in that hour to, to 45 minutes of a commute time to the office uh, to, to, to get prepared for the office. Now it's really... Um, uh, you know, working from home is very much different, right? You're you're walking from your bed to your kitchen, basically, yeah. is your commute, right? So, so you, what are we seeing? Do we see people being more productive uh, with that extra time that they get back because they're not having to commute, uh, or are we seeing people, um, you know, relaxing and and taking that time for themselves. Where do we see people using that extra time that people usually uh, spend either commuting or 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 going off to lunch, uh, taking a lunch break or a coffee break during during office hours? Again, I think it depends on on the life stage that we're we're talking about. Um, if you're again dealing with a parent who's trying to homeschool multiple kids, those those free hours that they have now when not commuting or having lunch with a colleague are now spent tutoring a child. Uh, whereas I think um, other employees who don't have the family responsibilities to deal with are e doing one of two things, either working through all of that time, <laughs> um, which is why they're working more. We're seeing higher rates of burnout than ever before. Um, or there's the other personality type, the, the slacker I mentioned, who's taking advantage of every moment of downtime, right? They're, you know, pick pick it an activity, right? I think they're they're using it to its fullest, which, you know, there's a thing to be said for work-life balance too. So I'm not necessarily criticizing those that take that time. I think you should take your lunch time and, and that commute time to um, do something for yourself. But across the board and and I also you know talking on both sides of my mouth at the moment I also think there's something lost in the commute time because speaking for myself I very frequently was on a conference call my entire commute into the office and usually on the way home as well so I'll tell you Alex um, very safe to hear that you're drinking your coffee playing with your radio dial putting on your makeup and off you go to the office uh, Linda it's interesting you bring up the commute because <laughs> I always found that you needed a bit of a preparation time in between going from leisure time to work time. And that transition was the commute. And it got you into the frame of mind of thinking about business. And I, I think when you're at home and you're jumping between work, the kid, the lunch, another distraction, I don't know if you're really spending the 100% effort that you would normally get from, from being in the office. Well, you know, Jamie, actually, I'm going to jump in on that because I think that what people perhaps thinking about is not the office, thinking about perhaps other projects. You know, when you said earlier about loyalty, I think perhaps people might be, in fact, less loyal because they now are seeing the time that they have, that free time, 
and thinking about the things that they would rather be doing in life <laughs> versus what they're currently doing. So the rise in entrepreneurship um, is huge. I and mean, what we're seeing this just across the country and around the world, the people are starting new businesses all over the place, not just because they're either out of work, they've been furloughed or downsized during this pandemic, but because it's just a lot easier to create uh, new businesses now than ever before using the internet and all that stuff. Now people are much more tech savvy, whether or not that was because Zoom uh, it, it came along and we are now more used to using virtual uh, conversations or using technology in different ways. So there was a very interesting time when you look back at 2008 during a similar financial crisis, a little bit different, but a recession nonetheless, where the financial and economic pressures forced people into the entrepreneur space and mm -hmm. companies like WeWork were born. Right? Places where people can go to the office to start a business. Now, fast forward 2020, we're in a similar financial crisis. A similar amount of people are going uh, into the private sector, if you will, and becoming entrepreneurs. Uh, and there is no WeWork, right? But there is the home office and or what it will look like if now you have a employee that's working maybe nine, eight hours a day, um, albeit efficiently, but has another eight hours to work on something else. Great points. I think the, uh, the proof will be in the pudding when we see exactly how productive they are. I was reading some article where at the beginning everybody was very productive and then it slowly slacks off as you dress less, you, like you said, Linda, you're doing a workout while you're listening to the conference call and the leisure starts to creep in. God knows I'm the king of that. So give me an opportunity not to pay attention. Wait, what was, what was, well, it sounds like the rise wait, of the wait, slackers. Just remind me, what was the topic of this conversation? Right, right. Zooming. <laughs> exactly. Like we're doing right now. Yeah. There, and there's another whole, like two comments to your, the last uh, exchange. Uh, Alex, first of all, the WeWork situation, I'm surprised to hear your perspective on that because I have heard recently more and more big uh, companies, at least in the D Detroit market, are planning to close their formal, you know, dedicated offices and move to a shared space like that, that they can utilize on an as-needed basis versus paying the monthly lease. Right? Yeah, 100%. So that, I mean, that is, that's corporate America downsizing mm -hmm. uh, to WeWork. But then what WeWork, how they started their business was for the, by the, for and by the individual, right? You know, the one or two sure. uh, office uh, uh, desks. So people didn't have to work at home and didn't have to work in Starbucks to start a business. And so it, their transition into the sort of the commercial or enterprise sales or leasing only started relatively recently. And so, you know, yes, WeWork will survive, but it will look a lot different than it did when it first started in 2008, in my opinion. So I think that if you, if, you know, if the individual or the small business, the mom and pop, if you will, of the future, mom and pop 2.0, um, uh, wants to start a business, they don't have to rent an office in a WeWork or a co-working place. They can just do it from home and and manage their employees yeah. uh, you know remotely and i think you made a really good point earlier about the difference between productivity and communication 
Now the communication tools are relatively seamless. You got Zoom, you got Slack, and you got a hundred other applications that help you communicate with employees better. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you've just solved the problem that eliminates the need to or the requirement of communication to be effective, and then then introduces a whole other you know format of well how do you entertain yourself how do you connect and how do you socialize how do you have drinks after work and all that stuff which is i think you know part and parcel of of the of of everyone's uh not say problem but everyone's question about whether or not we're going to survive this this uh this transition right right it's important to remember too again going back to this the people component of this everyone is different and is a different points in their life, not not only points in their life, but also um, have different uh, emotional needs, right? We, given what's happened with the pandemic, we're seeing higher levels than ever of mental illness. And so you have to assume that a portion of your po employee population is struggling with some sort of anxiety or other mental challenge that they're dealing with. And if you couple that with uh, individuals who perhaps are living alone and are not having any other outside contact other than Zoom, their productivity is decreasing significantly um, just because they, you know, th their mental space isn't healthy enough to keep them productive. Um, so my point in saying that is just that I think as we go back to work and consider, you know, are we just zooming to the office? You need to think of how you get the most out of each and every employee in their specific circumstances. Some individuals, it's simply not healthy to be isolated in, in that kind of way. That sounds like a, an additional burden on HR that's going to be imposed going forward. In addition to everything else you're doing in terms of the health and welfare of the employees, you're going to also have to start to figure out which of those employees need which type of a work environment. It also sounds like there could be some uh, legal implications as well, right? So, I mean, think about where employees may in fact discriminate against employees that need to go to the office uh, right. because they, you know, if you, if I, if I have four roommates uh, and I need to get out of the house, um, maybe you're not the right fit for our culture, which it happens to be virtual. Uh, and so that's a challenge that I think well, we'll, we'll probably face now. You know, when you, when you think about employees, uh, typically as an HR professional, a lot of the onboarding uh, into a new office, uh, into a new culture, a new work environment, uh, a lot of it has to do with thinking about how, what geography they're in. Are we, are we relocating this employee to to work in in this office? Uh, what uh, package do we need to provide for them so that they can commute? Give them a car, give them a, a an apartment to rent for three months, and all the logistical issues around onboarding an employee perhaps can change, right? I mean, I think that when uh, you want to work in New York City, you have a quality of living, a cost of living, and, and logistical issues getting you and your family to move into Manhattan. However, now with, with the virtualization of work, I could continue to live in Kansas or you know, Nashville where the cost of living is, is, is less uh, and I don't necessarily need an apartment in the city that's super expensive. Does it change the way you think about onboarding employees? Does it change the way that you think about uh, where employees can come from uh, and where they can stay so that you stay, you get the people that you want without the cost, if that makes any sense? 
Mm -hmm. It definitely does. Uh, and to me, that is by far the absolute greatest benefit, not only for individuals, but also corporations to be able to engage talent from anywhere in the world, essentially, versus relocating them to the home location. Um, again, individuals, obviously, it opens many doors where you don't have to relocate and assume a significantly higher cost of living. Um, but for the corporation itself, especially if you're in um, what wouldn't be considered a premier market like New York City or LA or San Francisco, um, now if you're in Detroit, for example, or Kansas City, you can potentially attract some of the highest caliber talent in the country from the West Coast or the East Coast to work at your company where typically they wouldn't be interested in relocating to one of those markets. So I think it's a huge benefit to both sides by, um, by allowing people talent to work virtually. Um, in fact, I tried to do this for years uh, when I was at GTB. It was a concept that um, my friend Toby Barlow and I talked about a lot as it related to creative talent because the creative talent pool in this market um, is somewhat limited as opposed again to the east or west coast so we tried desperately to implement this process or or this recruiting process of of having remote offices um, in california or you know but they would be dedicated to our business and we just could never get it to take off because the concept um, was was kind of shunned by by other leaders who just really wanted people physically in the office so um, for me that piece of zooming to the office is a huge win-win for everyone linda i read somewhere that six out of ten workers can't work from home and most of those are on the lower end of the socioeconomic ladder what, what about yeah. what happens to them in this new environment no yeah so on the complete flip side of what i just said that's one of the the um biggest issues we're going to have with zooming because there are a lot of uh, professions where it's just not possible right some um you know think about the mail center in in a large corporation you don't need anyone physically delivering mail uh facilities departments right if we, if we don't have a large office environment anymore who's why is it necessary to have someone um maintaining the the grounds or you know handling the uh just general maintenance right i mean some of those functions are just not going to be required if, if we're not in an office on a regular basis or certainly not on a full-time basis. So if you're in, if you're a commercial real estate developer, uh, commercial real estate agent, or you are a leasing agent for commercial property, you've got to be sweating right now, right? <laughs> you got to be yeah. thinking to yourself, you know, where, where is this going? And, you know, in, in a way, how do we explain uh, to, to this industry? Um, the, you know, that ultimately that we're serving, that it's either going to be okay, everything is going to be fine, it's just going to look a little bit different, but not a complete reversal of where we are? Uh, or uh, how do we say, you know, buckle up, it's going to get rough, and what we see and what we know is not going to be the future as we know it. Winter is coming. <laughs> Winter is always coming. <laughs> Once a year. <laughs> Once a year, especially in Michigan. Um, you know, I think they, I think the message is buckle up and be ready to embrace change because I, I, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. 
again, my personal feeling is that we'll settle into some sort of hybrid situation where office space is needed um, and, and we'll, we'll change and adjust again, but it's just not going to look the same way. So those who are willing to embrace change and not stick with exactly the way things have been are going to be the most likely successful, right? So like it, the WeWork kind of situation, you know, if these um, commercial buildings may just need to change how they're serving their clients and, and open it up in, in different and new ways. Yes, yeah, so it'll be like uh, like places like Soho or the Meatpacking District in New York, where these places that were industrial from the 20s and 30s or or manufacturing plants, they gave way to people living in beautiful lofts. Now, the beautiful loft will be the office building on Park Avenue and 53rd. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's that's pretty funny because they, you know there's a lot of innovation that happened pre-COVID with regards to the to the decentralization of offices, right? And I think that there was um, in New York, there was this concept of uh, restaurants were who had excess capacity between lunch and dinner were providing were offering uh, people to lease the restaurant for office uh, conference uh, calls and for people to work remotely. So there's always been this flexibility of the industry to adopt to and, and flex towards trends that occur mm-hmm. on a monthly regional, uh, regional as well as timely basis. So now everyone is in this situation. Technology is the forefront of change. We are structurally looking at different ways, but we, to, 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 to build. But when we look at it from the employee, from the company's perspective, the customers, how the customers think about real estate and the importance of it. And that's where it really gets interesting, which is why I really enjoyed this conversation with you, Linda, because it really brought a perspective that we just don't quite see very often. That's perspective of how to companies and corporate uh, corporate America think and how does HR think and industries that matter, creative industries as well as others about employees and what they need to be effective today and tomorrow. So thank you very much, Linda, for the time that you spent with The Real Estate with Alex, myself, and Jamie. Thank you very much, Linda. You are very welcome. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.